good morning. For those of you uh, who just now realized maybe when Bruce was praying or whatever, it's like, oh, geez, where's the pastor? <laughs> we got stuck with the B team today. You know? What can I say? Uh, but fortunately, uh, we're coming right out of this book right here, so that makes it the A team. Amen. Okay. Uh, we have uh, been journeying through the book of the Gospel of John, and we have made it to chapter 14. And uh, just a quick observation or two. Uh, you know, we've, I said before, I think earlier, uh, you know, there's some things that are different about the Gospel of John as compared to the other three Gospels. Uh, his uh, format, uh, his uh, whole setup is completely different than the other three Gospels. He's got no early history of Jesus, uh, uh, nothing about his birth, nothing in his childhood, anything. Basically, John's ministry starts right at, or John's gospel starts right as Jesus starts his ministry. Uh, so uh, we've been up to this point, up to last chapter 13 last week. Uh, that 1 through 12 chapters happened over a period of years, over the period of Jesus' ministry on this earth. And now chapter 13 through the end of the book, to 21, are basically a matter of days and hours. Uh, it is very close, and Jesus knows it. All through John, you know, several times uh, they, it says, uh, Jesus said, well, my time has not yet come, or he, uh, he uh, slipped out through the back because his time had not yet come. And now, as he told his disciples last week, and, and as they were observing the Passover, the Last Supper, uh, he told his disciples that the hour is now. Uh, the next 13 through chapters 13 through 17 are generally known as what's called the Upper Room Discourse. Uh, Jesus is, uh, and not recorded in the other Gospels, by the way, uh, Jesus has taken this time to, uh, basically it's his parting words to his disciples, to the guys that he's fixing to leave on this earth to continue his ministry. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know, as a parent, you may have been on the giving end, or as a child, you may be on the receiving end, but, you know, I don't know, your parents left you, they were going out of town for the weekend, and they left you at the grandparents, and right before they left, they would pull you over to the side, and they would say, okay, now, I want you to say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And I want you to say, eat everything on your plate, and you go to bed on time. And, you know, they would leave you with a whole washing list full of, uh, of uh, last-minute instructions 
that you were to observe while they were gone. Well, this is kind of what the next uh, three chapters of John is. And if you look, if you've got a, uh, if you've got a red letter edition Bible, uh, you will notice that the next three chapters are almost all red. There's very, there's very little other than a few comments and questions uh, by the disciples. Uh, it's Jesus speaking to his disciples. And so, let's, uh, let's read uh, John 14, 1 through 14 real quick. And we'll get started. Uh, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to, to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after uh, I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will... Do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your precious word. We thank you, Lord, that it is uh, alive, that it is active, Lord, that it is sharper than a two-edged sword. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that it is light, that it is life. Lord, that it, uh, that it is anointed, Lord, that it, that it moves, Lord, alive in our hearts, Lord, and in our spirits, Father. And I just pray today that, Lord, as we open your word, that you will bless this time of study in your word, Lord, that you would just lead me and guide me, Lord, that everything that is said, Lord, would be exactly as you would have it said. And just give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to understand, Lord, that uh, the richness and the beauty of your word. And we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Uh, so, as I said, we're right down to it, and Jesus knows that the disciples aren't quite there yet. They're fixing to be, but not yet. And uh, because up to this point, uh, as we'll hear from John next week, 
uh, they don't have the Holy Spirit yet, but he's coming, and he's, uh, and we're going to hear the promise of that next week. So here's Jesus knowing what's fixing to happen in the next 48 hours, and isn't it just like him? He's worried about his disciples. He's worried about us. So uh, the guys are pretty shaken right now uh, just, from, just from last week. Uh, Jesus told them that one of their own would betray him. Uh, they told them that Peter, that Peter would deny him three times. Uh, and so uh, they're, a little, uh, they're a little shaken up. And not to mention, uh, Jesus knows that what's fixing to happen in the next day or so is going to test them like they have never been tested before up to this point. So... Uh, He, even knowing uh, that they're about to see him betrayed by a kiss, arrested, taken to Pilate, or taken to the high priest, then to Pilate, then to Herod, back to Pilate, where they trade him off for Barabbas, and at that point, he is stripped, spurs. Mocked, beat, unrecognizable, it says, insulted, spit on, and paraded through the streets of Jerusalem bearing his cross. And yet his instructions are, let not your hearts be troubled. These guys had... Uh, these guys had left home and jobs and family and friends. They had turned their back on everything to follow Jesus. And now he's hanging on a cross. Or they're about to see him hanging on a cross. And yet Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. And what about us? I mean, don't we read this and know that these are his words to us also? Jesus doesn't want us covered up with troubles, with anxiety, with worry, with fear. Uh, that's not what Jesus would have for us. Uh, but don't we have uh, plenty to be worried about today? I don't know about you, but uh, 10 minutes of the 6 o'clock news or a scan of the front page of the newspaper is enough to trouble your heart. Uh, we'll chase a rabbit here for just a second, but I, I, uh, I hope you're praying for this country. I'm watching with my very eyes the America that I grew up in passing into history. This, this place, this, where we are right now, is nothing like it was when I was growing up. It's just so totally different. I mean, it's, I couldn't raise my kids the way I was raised. I mean, my parents, we, they turned us loose in the neighborhood, 
to Rome all day long, and you can't do that today. When you turned on the TV when I was a kid, it was Andy Griffith and the Dick Van Dyke and Gunsmoke, you know, and they all, uh, if, if not biblical, at least moral themes to them. I mean, you know, and now uh, what comes out of Hollywood is, well, there's, I've got a word for it, but I won't use it. Uh, but, I mean, aren't Christians... I mean, aren't in Christ uh, scorned and rejected and mocked today, even as they were then? And uh, not to mention just our human condition. Uh, you know, we grow old and parts wear out and we get frail and uh, loved ones die and. People hurt us and betray us and, and the sin that's in the world uh, that we have to deal with. And, you know, people speak ill of us behind our back. And, and uh, you know, their words cut us and stab us just as sure as any knife would. Uh, so we've got plenty enough to be worried about, to have troubled hearts about today uh, if we let ourselves. But Jesus... His words are, let not your heart be troubled. So what is this cure? How can, what's the cure? Uh, what's the remedy? Uh, the antidote to, uh, to all this. And uh, Jesus says, well, believe in God, believe also in me. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I was hoping for more. I don't know. Uh, but uh, can that possibly be enough to, uh, to stave off the anxiety and uh, troubled hearts that we have? So let's look uh, a little further at what Jesus says and... Uh, and see if it helps us any. So there in, uh, in verse 2, it says, My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, would I have told you, that I'm going to prepare a place for you. Well, uh, rooms, which is what's used in NIV, King James uses mansions, is the word. There are many mansions. Well, I'm from the south, so mansions is like the big white house with the big white columns looking down the long lane with live oaks and Spanish moss on either side. You know, that's, that's like mansion when I think about mansion. That's because, like I say, I'm from the deep south. But uh, so room or mansion or whatever it is, if Jesus prepared it, I'll take it. It'll, it'll be far and beyond anything I can think about or imagine if Jesus did it. So, uh, so he said he's gone to prepare. And I like it says that there are many rooms. Uh, we don't have to worry about showing up at heaven and there being a no vacancy sign. Uh, no, no standing room only, you know. Uh, if, uh, 
if you have given your heart to Jesus and trusted him and believed in him and he's your Savior and Lord, there'll be a place. Uh, and I like that. You know, some people think that, uh, you know, you hear folks say, well, heaven's just a state of mind. No, heaven's a place. That's what Jesus said. He called it a place. So, uh, you know, somewhere, wherever that place is, I don't know, but uh, I don't know if it's on Gold Street or Bullion Boulevard. I'm not sure where, but there's a place there that's got a uh, got a sold sign out in front of it that says bought by the blood of Jesus and you know whose name's on the mailbox that ought to help your heart trouble just a little bit we're going to a place that he prepared for us and so then let's look at verse 3 uh And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me. He's coming back, folks. Don't think that he's not, because he is. We don't know when. We do know that we're going to be caught all off guard. Uh, he said that we would be just doing our regular thing. Folks would be getting married and you'd be going to work and just things would be going on as usual. But one day, uh, he's coming back. And I'm thinking, maybe not all that far off. I don't know. They can't say. But uh, he's coming back for me and you. And I can't do this justice, so I'm going uh, to let the Word of God do this. We're going to look at three different scriptures real quick. Uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 51, and 52. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. And a flash and the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised and perishable, and we will be changed. And then, let's look in Thessalonians. First uh, Thessalonians 4. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll be with him, with the Lord forevermore. And then in Revelations 19. Starting in verse 6. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. 
For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And, it, <clears throat> and he added, These are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for he is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. And I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. His justice judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Uh, remember John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. You know, I don't know, uh, I don't know that I'm smart enough to maybe understand exactly 100% of how all that's going to happen, but I know this, I'm going to make sure I got an invitation to dinner, because I think if you don't, plan B is not very good, but if you do, I think what a glorious, all other Christians before and who are still alive all together with Jesus, resurrected. Amen. My heart's getting better already. And then the last thing uh, is kind of like uh, he saves the very best for last. Uh, if all that isn't enough, uh, it says the last, in the last of verse uh, 3, uh, he said, I come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Amen. We'll walk with Jesus. And we'll talk with Jesus. And we'll have his undivided attention. Glory. We'll, crack, we'll cast our crowns at his feet. And we'll, uh, with all the heavenly host, we will praise and we'll worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Never to be separated from him again. Forevermore. Amen? That should help your anxieties a little bit. It doesn't change what's going on. It doesn't alter what's fixing to happen to Jesus. It didn't alter 
because there's nothing on this earth that can change what he did when that happened. But it sets you in a place above it. It sets you where you don't have to worry about the cares of this world, the anxieties of this world, because as he tells his disciples, just a few chapters over from here, he says, you are in this world, but you're not of this world. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Okay, moving along. Uh, the next little section that I, real quick, I call whoosh. <laughs> uh, whoosh is that sound when something goes right over your head. And uh, so uh, we see this with the disciples, and I'm kind of glad that these are that they're regular guys, you know. Uh, if you've ever been in a class or maybe you had to go for a seminar for work or learn a new skill or something, you know, but anyway, there was a professor or there was an instructor or something, and he made what just sounded like a pretty important point, but you hear this whooshing sound right over your head, and you go, and you're like looking like, did anybody else hear that whooshing sound? <laughs> and, uh, you know, just about the time you're, you're going to say, uh, somebody bails you out, and they, they ask the, ob the obvious question. Well, in this case, uh, in this case, it's Thomas. He bails us out, and, uh, and luckily, all through Jesus' ministry, we get the benefit of Jesus answering uh, the disciples' questions that just went, and so, uh, so here we listen. listen uh, so Jesus says, you, in verse 4, it says, You know the place where I'm going. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where are you going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered with uh, probably what is the most emphatic, dogmatic, straightforward, uh, no wiggle room answer of anywhere in the Bible, anywhere in his ministry, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Well, that, uh, the world doesn't like that answer. Because the world and the flesh and the devil, their plan is that it's gray. There are, no, there are no black and white, right and wrong. It's all situational. It's all muddled together. And so for Jesus to make a statement like this, that uh, no one is coming to the Father, well, you know, like I say, you've, you've heard the news, you've heard, well, that's not inclusive, well, that's not politically correct, you know, that's, uh, that's uh, so uh, restricted, so dogmatic, you know, so, uh, but Jesus is very clear uh, that there's to leave you absolutely no doubt uh, as to the only way to the Father is through the blood of Jesus Christ. So, uh, 
Before we read a couple of, uh, or before we look at a couple of verses real quick, let's do one uh, little historical review. Uh, let's look at Exodus chapter 3 and verses uh, what, 13 and 14. Let me get there. I didn't make, getting to get my little pieces of paper ready for all my, where I need to go. Uh, this is uh, Moses, verse 13, says to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So, you know, at this point, of course, all the scribes and the Pharisees, and they have the benefit of the books of the law, and uh, so, so they they know this they know this verse in Exodus, and all through the book of John, actually seven times, uh, Jesus said, and we don't I didn't put this on the screen. I'm just going to read these real quick in. Uh, in chapter 6, verse 35, he said, I am the bread of life. In 8.12, he said, I am the light of the world. In 10.9, he said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. In 10.11, he says, I am the good shepherd. In 11.25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In 14.6, where we are today, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in 15.5, coming in a couple of weeks, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. You would have thought that somebody would have picked up on this, but uh, not really. So Jesus is saying here that he is all in all, that he is our everything. As bread, he's the, spirit, he's the bread of life. He spiritually sustains us. As the light of the world, uh, he sheds light on our path and gives us spiritual uh, understanding and wisdom for life. At the gate, he has given us unlimited access to God, the Father. Uh, as the good shepherd, he's laid down his life and he's paid the fee. He's, paid, he's punched our ticket, something that we could never do. Uh, the resurrection and the life, whether... Whether uh, it's before the rapture or whether you're taken up in it, you've guaranteed eternal life with God. The way, the truth, and the life. He's saying, I am the only one that can do this. I am the only way that this could be done. And then, as our vine and the vine, he is our source. And without him, uh, we bear no fruit. So Jesus said, I am, I am, I am, I am. And he still looks at us today and says, I am. Whatever the problem, whatever is bothering your heart, whatever has you wanting to, to lean, to worry, to, to fret, to, uh, that anxiety, uh, Jesus said, I am the answer in every way, completely, fully. Peter summed it up. Pretty good. I like this verse. In 2 Peter 1.3, and we're going to look at it. Uh, 
this is amplified. I just really like the way that it was said. I normally, um, but uh, for his divine power has bestowed upon us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through a true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Amen. He he has given us everything. He is everything. He is our all in all. Or, if you want it in another way that we've studied it, not too terribly long ago, uh, it is uh, by faith alone, through grace alone, by Christ alone. He is it all. He is everything. So, while we're right here at life, we're going to just look real. This is like a whole other sermon. But in the Bible, uh, I'm not a Greek scholar, so I had to just uh, kind of count on some... Uh, website information here, but in the word life, in the Greek, there's actually three different words. Uh, The first word, bios, uh, like used in 814, uh, the anxieties and riches of this life. The Greek word here refers to the life of our physical life, our, our, uh, our body, and it's where we get the word biology. And then secondly, well, we've been around on exactly how you pronounce this. I don't know. Uh, sushi, suchai, psyche, I don't know. Uh, but in, uh, in Matthew 16 and 25, for whoever wants to save his soul life shall lose it. The Greek word here refers to the psychological life of the human soul, that is, the mind emotion and will, and it's where we get the word psychology. And then lastly, the third Greek word is zoe. In John 1, 4, in him was the life, and the life was the light of men. Here the Greek word refers to the uncreated eternal life of God, the divine life uniquely possessed by God. And so, all through the black, actually, uh, just so you know, that I did a little study. I did, I did research just a little bit. Uh, this word, zoe, life, is used 38 times in the book of John. Uh, more by far than any other book in the Bible. And uh, like in John, John, and not John, John, in John 10, 10, you know, it says, you know, the, the thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. I come that they have life and have it abundantly. Well, he's not coming so that we have our regular life, the life that we're breathing and eating and getting up and sleeping. Because uh, uh, we already have that, so he wasn't coming to give us that. Uh, he's coming and came to give us life, to give us Zoe life. Uh, and all through... So that's what we're to have. That's what he wanted us to have was his kind of life. And that, it, uh, 
And we generally tend to think about it only in terms of length, you know, because it's referred to as eternal life or everlasting life or whatever. So we only look at, uh, so we think, well, okay, it's because it's forever and ever. It's because it's for eternity, which uh, uh, we can't get wrapped around anyway. But, uh, but actually, it's a quality of life. It's a, it's a different life. It's, it's a life in Christ. Uh, it's a life striving for holiness. Uh, it's a life that irregardless of our circumstances in this bios life, uh, irregardless of it, we still have the blessing and the hope and the joy that goes with knowing that one day we'll be with Jesus forever and ever. And so it, it moves us uh, to a place where, as the old hymn says, the things of this world grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. Uh, the world dims and the problems don't seem quite so bad when you look at it in light of eternal life and a life in Jesus. Okay, uh, next, uh, here's that whooshing sound again. Uh, in, verse, uh, in verse 7 and 8, uh, well, let's back up. Yeah, in 7, it says, So Jesus, after he says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, in verse 7, uh, if you really know me, <clears throat> you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. And, well, this time it's Philip <laughs> who bails us out and says, uh, wait, wait, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, and he's a little tougher on Philip than he was on Thomas. Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Uh, how can you miss this, Philip? How can you not understand? Have we not? How many times have you been right there when we've had this discussion about if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's had this discussion at least three times in the book of John that we've already covered where, he, uh, where he's covering this same ground and still... You don't understand. You've been with me for three years now, and you don't know, really, who I am. You're fixing to uh, in the coming days, but you, you still missed it. And I guess that it's only rightfully so. Because uh, if you look at all of Israel at the time, I mean, for, for 1,500 years, they've been celebrating the Passover. They've been selling celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, which was celebrating Jesus, or, uh, Moses delivering them from the bondage and the slavery of, uh, in, favor, in Egypt from Pharaoh. And so now, here we have Jesus 
delivering us from the bondage and the slavery of sin, and still they don't see. Uh, I mean, what did they think that John the Baptist meant when he was preaching at the top of his lungs? Every time he saw Jesus, he's going, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But they're just not connected. Not yet. Uh, so once again, uh, that whooshing sound, uh, but Jesus always is kind and patient. Uh, so in verse, uh, let's just start back in 9 again. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone, has, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father? How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe uh, on the evidence of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say unto you that whoever believes in me will do the work that I have been doing. So, to finish up... Uh, if you were listening in those verses right there, believe, 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 believe. Four times in three verses. Believe. And if you go back and pick up believe in me or believe in God and believe in the Father up in verse 1, you've got six times in 12 verses. Uh, in my little bit, of studying the Bible. Uh, when you see repetition, and especially when you see repetition written in red, uh, it's worth taking a look at. It's wondering why the repetition. But Jesus is so emphatic here. And, and if you look at what his, uh, if you look at what his uh, purpose, go back to the very beginning, what is his purpose here? His purpose is to comfort his disciples, to prepare them for what's fixing to happen, uh, and to leave them with last-minute instructions. And so, here we have it uh, in, in uh, belief. Believe, believe, believe in me. Believe that you have seen the Father, when you have seen me, believe in the works that I've done. Uh, believe <clears throat> that when I go away, the things that I've been doing, you're going to do even greater. And I know that verse, that verse can really, uh, when you read that, you go, oh, really? I'm going to be doing greater things than what Jesus did? Uh, and I think... Uh, you know, there's lots of people that, you know, the prosperity bunch, you know, they get hold of verses like that, and, and they want to make it out to be that, just well, you just believe, and you believe anything you want to, and you believe it, and I'll deliver. With, you know, Ferraris or money or whatever, you know, and I think all of us uh, uh, know that it's pretty obvious that he says... Uh, 
I'll give you whatever you want so that my fathers will be glorified in me. And so when you need ministry help, when you need, uh, when you need to spread or you need to share the word of God with somebody, you ask Jesus and he'll help you. That's what that's for and that's what it is. So, so the comfort uh, to prepare, to have the disciples ready for the time uh, that's soon to be upon them. Judas has already left the room and the wheels are set in motion. And the end is near. Uh, so my words to you today would be the same as Jesus told his disciples then. If you find yourself uh, with a troubled heart, believe. Uh, if you're overcome by current events, believe. If you're fearful, fearful about the future, Believe. If you find yourself at a loss and you need a new life and you need it abundantly, believe in God. His words still ring today. Believe in me. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and we praise you for your word. We look to you, Lord as the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, we, we set our eyes on you, Lord, to run with patience and perseverance, Lord, the course that you've set out before us. And we praise you, Lord, that you're with us every step of the way. Father, we praise you, Lord, that we don't have to let ourselves be anxious or be worried, Lord, that we do not have to have anxiety weighing us down because we have a future in heaven with you. We have a place prepared, Lord, that we will be with you forever and ever. And we just thank you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen.